0: Thank you for standing by, and welcome to Bank OZK's fourth quarter 2023 earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star-11 on your telephone. To remove yourself from the queue, you may press star-11 again. I would now like to hand the call over to Director of Investor Relations and Corporate Development, Jay Staley. Please
1: go ahead. Good morning. I'm Jay Staley, Director of Investor Relations and Corporate Development for Banco ZK. Thank you for joining our call this morning and participating in our question and answer session. In today's Q&A session, we may make forward-looking statements about our expectations, estimates, and outlook for the future. Please refer to our earnings release, management comments, and other public filings for more information on the various factors and risks that may cause actual results or outcomes to vary from those projected in or implied by such forward-looking statements. Joining me on the call to take your questions are George Gleason, Chairman and CEO, Brandon Hamblin, President, Tim Hicks, Chief Financial Officer, and Cindy Wolf, Chief Operating Officer. We will now open up the lines for your questions. Let me now ask our operator, Lateef, to remind our listeners how to queue in for questions.
0: Thank you. Uh, as a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star 11 on your telephone. Again, that's star 11" on your telephone to ask a question. To remove yourself from the queue, you may press star one one again. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Our first question comes from the line of Steven Scouton of Piper Sandler.
1: everyone. Good morning. Um, So, impressive NII growth again this quarter. Um, And I know you guys have talked a lot about this kind of horse race that will will be occurring with average earning asset growth versus NIM compression moving forward. I'm kind of wondering as we look out into 2025, which I know is hard to project, but how you kind of see that potentially playing out based on, on projected rate cuts. And kind of how that dynamic should occur as, as as we look further out and presumably i guess to your guidance resg repayments accelerate a little bit
2: uh steven we hadn't we hadn't anticipated you asked starting off with a question about 2025 but you know i would uh what i would tell you on that and and of course the answer is tremendously dependent upon uh fed action But uh, our our approach in in our budget and planning for this year is that we're likely going to have three Fed cuts in 2024. And those are uh, probably going to be July, September, and November cuts. So uh, uh, we've taken a little uh, more uh, conservative view in line with the Fed's guidance, ignoring the fact that the market's gotten a little farther ahead on that. Uh, assuming that scenario is correct, which is you know anybody's guess, and assuming that uh, we have another three or four Fed cuts in 2025 or five Fed cuts in 2025, uh, you know you'll begin to have the floors kick in on the loans uh, in in uh, uh, 2025 in earnest. And we'll be effectively rolling over a large part of our uh, um, uh, deposit portfolio. So we uh, while we while we think the horse race is fully in play every quarter in twenty twenty four we're generally thinking if that scenario plays out, we're going to have a more constructive net interest income environment in twenty twenty five even with uh, a lot of resg payoffs coming in there Uh, so that that's our current thinking on it but it's it's 2025 is quite a ways out and a lot of things are going to happen between now and then
3: no that's right
1: yeah and i assume yeah like you said we'll start Mm -hmm. seeing that chart come back in your management comments with the with the floors and kind of how that protects your loan book so that's that's obviously very helpful um yeah and then I'm kind of curious around origination trends. I mean, for those of us that aren't in that real estate business on a daily basis and not, um you know, seeing what you guys see daily, I think a lot of folks on this side would have expected more of a slowdown, but originations have stayed extremely strong. So I don't know if, Brandon, you could talk about some of those dynamics, whether it's competitive, whether it's, you know, still an appetite for current projects or what's keeping that. Um, maybe loan origination demand higher than than some of us on on this side of the world would have expected. Brandon, go ahead.
4: Steven happy to answer that question. It's a great question. Although, you know, coming off of, of record 13.8, you know, sometimes get more more uh well, you know, is it should be stronger, but we're so proud of what our team has done in in 2024. Um you you saw the number uh you know increase at the, at the end of the year and 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 I would say that you know moving into Q1 we've we've got a, a decent pipeline there. But but no, you're right. There are a lot of different uh, headwinds for origination. Um, I this year uh, I would say from a from an equity confidence point of view has been been the lowest that that we've seen in a long time. Uh, but that's juxtaposed against a lot of a lot of capital that's out there. We we hear about funds that. You know, fund managers out there looking to start new funds and and getting pushback from investors because they haven't invested the, you know, the the funds they already have existing. So, um, you know, their their but but their their reticence uh, in the recent past has definitely shown up in the in the number of deals that have moved forward or number of deals that have that have um, you know sort of been on the table and then pulled back. I think you know, the positive, uh, trend that you see there for us is simply a, a result of what we talked about, you know, quarter in, quarter out around being built to, to be in the market every day, every year, every cycle. And our, our guys continue to benefit from, um, their well-deserved reputation for execution in that space. And, and we continue to, you know, when there aren't, nearly as many competitors on the field, you, you tend to get calls that you might not have received before. And um, our guys have done a phenomenal job of, of converting on new uh, relationships and obviously rela- uh, loans with, with existing relationships. So the, the, the pie has been smaller without question. Um, we're just able to, you know, take a proportionally larger Slice of that pie with our team, and um, you know, this year will be very interesting in, in 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 terms of you know how things play out. But um, as we'll talk about, and George has already alluded to, in terms of our thoughts around rate moves, um, you know, we would expect um, given the, the the amount of capital that's sort of been sitting on the sideline, needing to be invested. That that with uh, you know if we continue to get some positive signs there we'll start to see that uh, you know the number of deals in the market increase. Um, of course, competition could increase as well, but but we uh, as we stated believe that you know we could we could see being at or above uh, the volume we had in 23 uh, for the for the 12 months in 2024.
1: Yeah, that's and if I could squeeze squeeze in one last quick one, it's just as you guys think about maybe passing the baton to some of these other loan categories and investments you've made in the bank through the last few years, is there a way to kind of stack rank where the potential is, whether it's ABL, CBS, like where you think the most potential is to kind of you know make that handoff in terms of growth in the longer run? Sure. Uh, you know, I think
4: um you mentioned ABL, uh, those guys uh, had an had another good year. Um we expect um that that they'll have another good year, you know, coming at us. I, I would tell you that our our lending groups uh, no surprise have been as focused as ever on d- deposit gathering uh relationships and um, you know, we've, we've uh, I don't want to say restricted, but that heavy focus has sort of narrowed the focus uh, around uh, what, for example, ABL has been doing. Uh, I think those guys have uh, potential to really sort of, um, just in time might be an overstatement, but to really uh, uh, sort of open the spigot up a bit more uh, as we, as we look at what, you know, RESG may be facing in terms of pay down in 2025. So that's a that's a group that comes to mind. But but right behind it, as you said, would be our fund finance and our, our capital solutions group uh, continue to make progress and, um, you know, uh, you never know uh, what the future holds, but we feel like we're pretty well positioned as an institution um, to, to look at opportun- other opportunities, you know, in the commercial space. Um, we're, we're, we're thinking about those and, and, and watching closely for opportunities we might be able to capitalize on. Um, so th- that's that's where our head's at today.
1: Fantastic. Thanks for all the color, and congrats on a great year. Thank great. you.
4: Thank you.
0: Please stand by for our next question. Our next question comes from the line of Matt Olney of Stevens, Inc.,
5: Hey, thanks for taking my questions. I wanted to ask about the the, the pace of loan growth in 2024 and any insight you can provide about if the pace will be weighted towards the front half or the back half. And then on the topic of loan repayments, I'm curious what you're hearing from the sponsors from some of these RESG loans that have reached stabilization but uh, still remain at the bank. Uh, It it seems like you'd be getting more requests given the – the dip we've seen in rates here, but just curious, any comments you have there?
2: Brandon, you want to comment on the uh, uh, second part of uh, Matt's question? Absolutely, Matt. Good to hear from you. Thanks. Um,
4: yeah, so it's a, it's largely a timing issue, Matt, um, and 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 also uh, lender supply out there. You know, there are a lot of institutions that have. Uh, been less active, but there have also been been those that have pushed in and you know there there are some some <laughs> names non bank names that we're seeing uh that are active in that space but but you know. I think uh, the uh, the proceeds from from a refi today uh, um, are, are, are are not what they were when a sponsor kicked off his project. So I think a little bit is just managing expectations and trying to find you know that particular point in time where they've they they feel like they've. You know whether it's you know they they want to burn off some concessions if it's a multifamily deal perhaps or you know get that you know the, the next turn um, and 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 link that up to the you know the optimal interest rate. So it's a it's a combination of factors. I mean we're um, we're given the environment that we've been in, we're we're pleased with the the payoff activity we've had um but you know we we've talked about it uh, a good bit if you know as as the short term comes down and i focus on the short term because um not all of these are going to go to permanent financing some some will uh, jump, you know, from uh, pr- presumably a, 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 a lower proceed loan with us to a higher proceed loan uh, with, you know, um, trying to minimize the interest rate impact, but certainly getting the higher proceeds, but not necessarily a permanent loan. So the short term rates are more in play there, and you guys all know what's what's happening with the curve there. So um, there there may be some delay waiting to get 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 further down the curve and and, and pull the trigger on that.
2: Uh, and uh Matt, as we alluded to in our uh management comments, we think that the lower interest rate levels that you know were were much lower uh, a couple of weeks ago and have gotten higher the last week or two, but still relatively lower And the expectation of the Fed's not uh uh going to increase rates further in the next direction is down in rates. We think that that is going to uh Create a, a um, higher level of payoffs in uh, 2024, uh, either to bridge financing, as as Brandon alluded to, from uh, construction uh, from our construction loan to a bridge loan, or from our loan to uh, permanent financing, which is happening on a lot of apartment deals. There's still a very active uh, refinance market on the uh, apartments uh, out there. Uh, uh, the first part of your question is can we give you some guidance on on uh, growth quarter to quarter. I, I think the uh, uh, best presumption we could probably give you at this point is that that's probably going to be fairly linear over the course of the year. Um, um, it will vary from quarter to quarter, but, but we we can't predict that we would have expected a um, a higher level of originations in the quarter just ended. Uh, But uh, several uh, pretty significant opportunities got uh, delayed or or, uh, otherwise uh, terminated, I guess, uh, because of the fact that sponsors were having trouble putting equity together on it, which is an item Brandon alluded to. The equity guys had a very challenging year and uh, getting new equity for new projects is uh, is more challenging than it was a couple of years ago. And uh, hence you're seeing things that are on the drawing board that get late in the process that uh, for one reason or another don't get closed or get delayed, and it takes another few months to get everything together. Uh, deals are moving fairly slowly. So uh, we have a projection for every quarter this year, and. Uh, if, if we were confident that those quarter-to-quarter closing numbers were were going to be close to accurate, I'd share those. But those things are moving around uh, from one or two quarters, plus or minus. But some things are getting done sooner than expected. We had a couple of those in the last quarter, and a number of things from the last quarter got delayed uh, uh, for a while or perhaps indefinitely. So it's hard to predict quarter to quarter. I think your best uh, assumption would be to uh, assume a fairly even uh, distribution.
5: Okay. I appreciate the commentary. Um, And then just as a follow-up, I think in the management commentary, you mentioned the REGI loan concentration, 65% of non-purchase loans. It sounds like that will likely increase in 2024 before contracting in 25 and 26. Um, I had thought that the previous commentary assumed that that the regime could peak in 23 and were, would work lower uh, in 24. Um, I could be mistaken on that, but any any color on kind of why that's now and inflections now being pushed out to to 25? Thanks.
2: Yeah, uh, well, um, I, I don't know that we specifically gave that comment in 23, but uh, I could certainly understand why you would infer that. And and the reason that uh, the rescue percentage, which got down to about 62, I think percent, is back up to 65. It's simply because of the slower rate of uh, refinancings and payoffs, and you know that's a coil spring that's going to spring probably in 2025. So you're Correct that we would expect when that spring uncoils that that will uh, you know lead to a, a, an elevated level of RESG payoffs at some point and our best guess is that is a meaningful number in 2025. Uh, so we're we're cognizant of that. The second thing I would tell you is uh, uh, you know we enjoyed mid to high 20s percent loan growth last year, and as uh, was alluded to in Brandon's comments, we have constrained the growth potential of our uh, equipment finance, capital solutions, and ABL groups and fund finance groups, frankly, uh, uh, by limiting them to relationships that also included uh, uh, substantial deposits. So those guys would have grown a lot more uh, could have grown a lot more in 2023 had we not constrained their growth. Um, so we we knew we were going to have a higher level of RESG-driven growth in 2023 because payoffs were slowing as the year unfolded. You could see that. So we, uh, we limited the ability of the uh, uh, other business units to grow Uh, and that's why we're pretty confident that as we do begin to see that RESG payoff wave materializing, uh, we would hope those uh, other business units would still have the opportunities to grow that they have. I think they will. Time will prove that out. But that's why we think we're going to have a very smooth handoff of growth in 2025 from RESG, that's going to have a lot of paydowns, and the balances there probably more or less stagnate for a year. To uh, ABLG, uh, structured finance, uh, uh, fund finance, capital solutions, equipment finance groups that will uh, exercise the ability that they've already demonstrated they have to achieve a higher growth rate.
5: Yep. Okay,
0: that makes sense.
3: Thanks, guys. Uh, thank, thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Please stand by for our next question. Our next question comes from the line of Ben Gerlinger of City.
6: Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Uh, so I think last week or two weeks ago, I went to my local OZK branch here in Georgia and spent some time annoying the bankers and the tellers. Um, so anyway, so it seems like you guys are, Emphasizing a CD rate that's a bit shorter than previous, but the one the people that I spoke with at that one specific branch were kind of focusing on the eight month. which kind of coincides with your expectations for a July cut? Um, I was just kind of curious in just deposit gathering efforts in general. Are you, how do you guys feel about gathering deposits even in the kind of difficult rate environment? I get that. You probably want to be a bit more nimble, but if you have growth, you kind of need to pay up. So I'm just curious on how you feel about the loan to deposit or or any other deposit gathering effort that you could probably levers you could pull over the next seven-ish months before we get to that the first rate cut. Uh,
2: yes, we are. <clears throat> you're you're correct in your observations that we have uh, starting the last uh, week or two of November and uh, incrementally shifting, we've kind of twisted our focus on maturities to uh, get a little shorter maturity distribution in that deposit book, uh, hoping that we can get that book uh, uh, lined up more um, tightly with the Fed's uh, uh, rate-cutting scenarios. So you're correct in that uh, eight, seven-month, is the focus there on wholesale deposits? We're we're moving those in even even shorter. Uh, we are uh, continuing to pay up as you as you noted because we are growing so much. You know we grew deposits last year. Cindy what, was over five and a half billion dollars, uh, almost six billion dollars, and uh, to do that in an environment where uh, The Fed's taking liquidity out of the system, and most banks are experiencing shrinking balance sheets was a heck of an accomplishment for our deposit guys, and um, they are uh, fully ready to do that again this year if we need to do that. Uh, We feel really, really confident in our ability to do it. And we're now, you know, the biggest focus is achieving the growth we need to achieve while shifting the mix of the deposit book to align more closely with the expectation that rates are going to head down at some point in the year and also minimize our cost of deposit. So we're making adjustments weekly, uh, sometimes daily in that regard. And um, uh, I think our deposit team is doing a great job. But I I appreciate the fact that uh, you're... paying attention to uh, what's going on at the local level in the branches because uh, our 228 or twenty-nine, thirty branches, however many it is, are where all this good stuff on the deposit side is occurring.
6: Yeah, I, uh, I guess I'm going to have to actually open a check account, otherwise they're going to get suspicious, so I'm like, constantly visiting. Um, I was just curious if we could t- just kind of switch gears here on uh, Figure 14 prepared remarks you had the appraisals obtained and it seems like there's obviously some oscillation with every appraisal the valuation is going to be a little bit different but there's three that kind of stuck out a little bit two office and a multifamily the worst office change seemed to be a little less than a 50% haircut in the overall valuation I, I think everyone knows at this point office stated is Probably a little higher, but it's such an illiquid market in general. Uh, there's just not a lot of transactions. Were these valuations kind of what you were expecting, or is there anything idiosyncratic in that nature? I don't really have an issue with your credit overall, but with those kind of marks down, I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are. Just
2: those couple loans. Brandon, you want to comment on that? Uh,
4: absolutely, absolutely. mean, great question. And and yeah. Um, I think the, the the short answer is um, we're generally seeing what we would expect. Um, there, in terms of idiosyncratic moves, I, I think there are certain markets that um, are probably hit harder with respect to you know the cap rate moves. And and but but you hit the nail on the head there. There's just a real dearth of transactions out there uh, upon which you know these valuations can 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 draw for cap rate data, and and you know the fact of the matter is appraisers are human, and and you got to make an estimate, and 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 sometimes that estimate you know can 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 in hindsight be a bit severe, but we're extremely pleased with. What we feel like, you know, over the course of these quarters that we've given you guys this data, um, the the majority of these loans are falling in that sort of up-down 10% range. Um, which you know, based, given our our really low basis, is, is is not at all a bad place to be, and we've had a you know a, a lot of those are down, um, and and where the ups are, uh, generally speaking, uh, aligns with with what we would think, but we're pleased that those have been a, a limited nature, and if you look back historically, at at you know what our portfolio LTV is, and you know we've been. Reappraising uh um, prop- projects for uh through a pretty long um, uh, cycle of, of uncertain you know economic conditions and lack of activity lack of transactions um you're seeing a, a, a solid um it's incremental but a solid positive trend in our portfolio l t v and a lot of that's driven by the fact that our guys do such a great job of originating loans at low l t v loan LTC um putting these sponsors in 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 a position with a, a lot of skin in the game and a reason to put more in to protect it that is another reason that our l t v s um don't don't move more than they do so um you know and we'll we'll continue to 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 reapraise uh projects uh through the year and and um you know we'll 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 see changes but generally speaking i i think it'd be accurate to say we uh, We are not uh, not really surprised by, by most of the results, given especially the la- lack of data in, in office in particular um, to, to support you know any other cap rate than, than what appraisers are using.
2: Ben, I would point out also that uh, um, all of those uh, loans that you mentioned on the uh, reappraised list, they are pass rated credits. Uh, that pass rating takes into account the uh, uh, higher loan-to-value on the ones where the LTV went up, uh, but they're still pass-rated credit, so we don't consider those are problems. And I would, Brandon made an excellent point. If you look back over the last eight quarters from a portfolio perspective, our loan to cost on the entire portfolio and our loan to value on the portfolio uh and the loan to value is kind of a 42 43% loan to value range that is that has not moved more than a point or two in the in the aggregate over that whole period of time and uh that's because uh while we're having some loans uh like these three you mentioned where the uh Appraised loan to value has gone up uh, in a in a meaningful way. We're also having a number where we've got accretive paydowns uh, We're also having an, uh, a lot of new originations where we're originating at uh, you know high thirties or, or very low forties loan to value. so the uh, aggregate condition of the portfolio is is continuing to perform very well. Uh, on that LTV metric.
6: Catherine,
2: let's hope appreciate the time, guys. Thank you. Lateef, who's next? Uh,
0: please stand by. Our next question comes from the line of Catherine Miller of KBW. Please go ahead, Catherine.
7: Thanks. Good morning.
2: Good morning, Catherine.
7: Um, this is a follow-up on the credit conversation, you mentioned in your prepared remarks or your management comments that you still have a goal to grow uh, EPS in 2024, um, you know, which is, is pretty big coming off of a year where you grew, you know, 30-some percent, had, had a record year. And so, you know, if I think about 24, I think you know, we all know the NIM and growth headwinds that we're going to potentially see if we have rate cuts. But I think a big question is, where is the provision? And so I'm just curious how you're thinking about how the provision should trend kind of versus this past year's level to reach an EPS growth goal um, in this year.
2: Well, uh, great question. And and yes, uh, you're you're uh, spot on correct there with the uh, uh, guidance that we've given on, on uh, tax rates and uh, uh, non interest expense and, and the uh, net interest margin, net interest income number being horse race on net interest income every quarter. Um, um, you know, we think it's a reasonable scenario that for the year we will put up improved uh, EPS versus last year. Uh, I don't know that we have an improving EPS trend every quarter next year like we did this year. at it may be some quarters are up EPS in record and some quarters are a little off the record pace. Uh, but we expect a, a good EPS story and for the year expect to uh, beat our 2023 uh, net income and EPS numbers. So uh, our, our assumption on provision uh expense in in our budget and our guidance on that is predicated upon the fed achieving a a relatively stable landing to the economy. I don't know if that's a soft landing or just not a real hard landing uh, we have assumed in our ACL calculations uh consistently for a number of quarters now five six seven quarters we've been heavily weighted. Uh, to the downside scenarios. So as as you know, last year we grew our uh, ACL over um, $100 million last year. Um, Part of that was due to our significant growth. Uh, Part of it was uh, due to the fact that we were leaning heavily on the uh, Moody's downside models, the S4 and the S6 models. Uh, we continue to lean that way, so we think our ACL is is uh, uh, appropriate and pretty well positioned for uh, you know a range of scenarios. If if the uh, unless we have a uh, landing of the economy that's consistent with the uh, S4, the S6 scenarios. If if the economy lands in a more benign fashion uh, than that, then you know we're going to probably look back and uh, I think we could look back and assume that 2023 was kind of a high point in provisioning so um, we're not there yet with with that conclusion but I think you could draw a scenario um, pretty clearly that would suggest we could have some downside uh, in what we provision each month or each quarter and and the flip side of that of course is also true at the uh, uh, geopolitical, global issues, Fed, congressional issues, you know, government shutdowns, whatever, were to somehow all uh, uh, coalesce into a uh, hard landing for the economy, we could we could have higher provision expense, but those scenarios uh, seem to be uh, getting mitigated, and. Uh, the chance for the Fed to actually engineer a pretty decent landing for the economy is seems to be growing a little bit, so uh, that that could uh, hopefully lead to lower provision expense next year.
7: That's really helpful. and it feels like a nice offset if you see you know, if you do see the lower margins and more paydowns in the in the loan book, um, you know an offset to that headwind is going to be this provision if we are in that soft landing scenario
2: yeah. um we still do expect good loan growth I would I would remind you of that yeah yes yeah. um
7: and then just another follow up on credit just can you give us or kind of talk us through how the Chicago land loan could play out from here it feels like we went from special mention to substandard accrual this quarter so we're mm-hmm. still performing um, you know, but I noticed that your, your cash reserve did decline. So, um, correct me if I'm wrong, it feels like maybe it's just performing because of the interest reserve, but, you know, kind of curious how that's playing out right now and kind of how, how much time or how many quarters we have until potentially that runs out. And, um, this may flip to non-performing, um, if you're not able to resolve the credit before that, that time period. Just kind of walk us through how that credit could kind of pass for, for that credit over the next couple of quarters.
2: That's a great. Uh, that's a great question, and obviously the fact that uh, we uh, went from a special mention to a substandard uh, classification on that credit and the quarter just ended uh, reflect reflects the fact that uh, you know we were we were concerned about the sponsor's pace and uh, their recapitalization efforts here. Uh, they've been working hard on this. This is an excellent sponsor with whom we have uh, done a number of pieces of business. They've got a very successful track record. So, um, you know, they're still working very hard on this and still positively uh, disposed and engaged on it. So. Um, You know, we've got that going for us and that we've got a good sponsor who's working hard and and still out there diligently pursuing that. Um, The fact that they've not gotten that recap done yet caused us to do the downgrade. And with that downgrade also, uh, you know, that changed the risk rating on the loan and the risk rating drives our, our provision for the loan. So our ACL on this loan is now... As we disclosed in the management comments, thirty-two point eight million dollars. So um, we've we've pretty much uh, provisioned this thing for a um, uh, an adverse outcome. You're correct. They uh, are using their cash reserve, which is their money, to uh, pay interest on the loan, and uh, they've got enough cash reserve there to go several more months. I don't know the exact timing of that but um, you know when they get to the end of that cash reserve they'll have to make a decision if if they want to and can support it with uh, further interest payments to uh, buy more time to uh, work out their recapitalization and develop their ultimate plan for this property or if if they've run out of gas so we'll just have to see but the, the downgrade reflected uh, and the increase in the ACL for the loan reflected what we thought was an appropriate adjustment for the risk in it at this time. We're monitoring it closely, and of course, we'll do anything that we can do and are doing everything we can do to uh, assist the sponsor in their efforts, but we're the lender and they're the equity, so the ball's really in their court on this. Great,
7: makes sense. Thanks for the, um, for the call. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Manon Gosalia
8: of Morgan Stanley. Hi, good morning. Um... I wanted to ask on the loan floors you spoke about earlier. Um, can you talk about where those floors are on average for the portfolio uh, on, the, on the books right now? Uh, you know, how long will the benefit of that last given uh, the shorter duration of some of your loans? And if the capital markets open up and uh, you know, if you can comment on any recent trends, there have there been any changes in the floors you've been able to negotiate more recently uh, given the outlook for rate cuts?
2: Uh, great question, Manon. Uh, uh, you know, in in um, kind of the run-up to uh, uh, mid-last year and and uh, I guess even third quarter, fourth quarter of last year, a lot of the loans that we were originating in RESG had uh, floors at the start rate of the loan. So uh, the expectation, you know, when, when the expectation is that the uh, – Fed's going to be continuing to raise rates as it was throughout 2022 it's pretty easy to get uh, um, um, loans at the uh, start uh, floors at the start rate of the loan as uh, 2023 progressed and uh, uh, you know customers began to look forward to when the Fed was going to reverse course uh, more pressure came in to negotiate that floor rate to something below the start rate of the loan and uh, uh, those floors have moved. I would tell you today uh, we're still getting floors in some loans at the start rate of the loan uh, in in uh, some loans the floor is is uh, in the RESG portfolio 100 or even slightly more points below the uh, basis points below the start rate. So they're meaningful floors and um, um, they vary from loan to loan and that depends on, uh, you know, other, other features, just all the myriad of, of details and how you negotiate uh, one and structure one of these credits. So they are important for us. The, I can't give you the uh, um, breakdown. Uh, we'll, we'll probably start next quarter and quarter after giving you a, uh, uh, a table in our management comments. Uh, I think Stephen asked for that uh, in our management comments that shows uh, you know where the floors are on various loans. We're obviously getting old loans paid off at a billion dollars uh, a quarter more or less and and those old loans have floors that are usually far below you know current rates because they were set in an environment before the Fed started raising rates and the floor may have been 25 a sofa floor 25 basis points which would have been a four-something floor at the time or something so uh, those floors are getting reset about billion a billion dollars quarter we're also having loans that don't have as of right extension rights that we're doing extensions on uh, on a business-as-usual sort of basis. We're attempting to reset the floors higher in those loans with uh, a fair degree of success, but obviously that's a negotiating point with every customer. And we're rolling off uh, those loans with lower floors and putting on new loans with higher floors. So, you know, uh, this gets better every time which is why we have said a higher for longer scenario is better for our net interest margin because every month we reset the floors on the portfolio on average higher and uh, so if the Fed doesn't cut rates until July as opposed to March that's really good for us because we've got another four months of floors. Reset if they waited till September that's even better because we get another six months of floors uh, Reset Uh, those floors will hold on those loans You know for the duration of the loans and they're three-year loans and typically they'll hold for any Extension duration so the fact that we've got and and we typically have minimum interest protection on these loans So somebody's not going to refinance a construction loan, typically mid-construction, because we've got an 8th floor in it and suddenly they can get 6% money. Uh, The minimum interest and other features and the complexity and cost of moving that loan will tend to keep them there. So those floors will hold uh, and and they're going to be an important part of hopefully us expanding them in uh, 2025.
8: That, that's very helpful. So it sounds like you're, uh, it, it, the current interest rates matter more than the forward look. So um, I guess the floors are not going down just because the rate outlook has gone down over the last uh, couple of months. Uh,
2: you know, the, the fact that the rate outlook is uh, the forward curve is down, the rate outlook is down is causing sponsors to, in some cases, negotiate harder and push more on our negotiation on the floor. But uh, we know that's a very important part of our business, so we're pushing hard back to retain as much of that floor as possible. And, uh, you know, if we can't get a floor that we think gives us an appropriate risk-adjusted return in a dynamic rate environment, we're just not uh, going there. So, we're negotiating very hard on those floors, and it's a very important part of our business model and our origination team understands that and is very dialed in on it. We've really pressed that point with them, so they're they're doing a really good job of uh, uh, managing those negotiations to a to an acceptable or better outcome for us.
8: Got it, that's very helpful. Um, and then on on capital, you know, I know you have a high 10.8% CET1 ratio. Um, you're also looking forward at what loans you put on the balance sheet and what the loan growth eventually is. But as we think through 2024, um, how should we think about buybacks? Is the flex only about what the balance sheet growth is? Or, you know, given some of the uncertainties you mentioned in the environment, uh, do you want to keep um, an extra capital buffer until uh, the environment changes? Tim, you want to take that?
1: Yeah, hey, Manon. Um, Yeah, I mean, as you said, we've got really strong capital levels now. I think you've seen our risk-based capital levels really stabilize at current levels. The last three quarters, I think we've been within 10 basis points of where we are this quarter, uh, even with the substantial growth we've had during those quarters. I feel like we'll have good growth this this year, um, good earnings retention as well. Um, so feel like we'll have uh, risk-based capital ratios for this year staying relatively, uh, give or take, where we are now or slightly above. Um, and so, moving from there on share repurchases, you know, we're going to focus on, you know, kind of where we are from our current capital levels, see where the growth is for this year and in <clears> the <throat> years. Um, but no that that's always an option a lever that we can pull uh if need be if if uh if our growth uh, moderates uh in a certain year we can certainly pull um pull that lever and and get a reauthorization the repurchase if our share price is depressed um we can also look at it uh for that for that purpose as well um but uh you know right now our focus is growing the bank and and finding ways to to do that.
8: Great. Appreciate all the color. Thank you. Thank
0: you. Stand by for our next question. Our next question comes from the line of Brandon King of Truist. Please go ahead, Brandon. Hey, good morning.
9: Good morning, Brandon. So, just a a follow up on the Chicago Land Credit. Uh, being that such a strong sponsor is having some issues with their recapitalization, uh, does that give you more concern broadly when you think about your, your customer base and sponsors being able to you know, support uh, their projects when they run into issues?
2: Um, Brandon, that, that's a good question. And I think the answer that I would give you is if I you know, was answering a yes or no is no. That doesn't give me a lot of pause. You know, sponsors come in uh, two different flavors, um, or really more, but you can kind of divide sponsors into a couple of groups. One is is sponsors that invest their own money, but also are uh, dependent upon uh, equity capital, PREP equity, you know, uh, um, um, partners in their transactions, uh, either as PREP or or co-joining them as common equity and then uh, sponsors who um, have a huge balance sheet themselves and their equity comes internally from their own balance sheet. The sponsor in this case, while they have a tremendous track record, they've done a lot of transactions and a lot of big transactions, uh, deploys mostly uh, equity of third parties So when they're recapping a deal, they're out um, explaining their vision and their plan for the deal to uh, uh, a variety of potential equity partners to entice uh, those equity partners into the deal. And as Brandon mentioned, it's it's a uh, um, challenging environment for equity in these transactions because... uh, you know, it's it's a high rate environment, a high cost environment. And the risk that the economy is going to slow. So, you know, it's a it's a challenging thing to raise equity. And these guys are good at it. They've done it. Uh, they're accustomed to doing it. They've got a good story for the project that makes sense. Uh, they just got to match all that up uh, with uh, an equity investor who. Uh, likes that story and they're working on that so it doesn't give me uh any any uh pause about our portfolio i think you know it's a unique thing to this asset that they're working on this there are other projects out there that we see every quarter that are making a lot of sense that are you know new projects that the uh um, very skilled, very experienced, knowledgeable sponsors are having trouble putting their equity together on. Listen, uh, it's a uh, it, it is a tough environment for equity. Um, cost of delivering a project have gone up due to inflation. Interest rates to carry that project during construction have have uh, gone up. You've had all the COVID delays and the impacts. You've had shifts in the uh, demand side because of uh, concerns about the economy. Uh, it is it is a tough environment for our sponsors, and we see that pain and hear, hear that pain from our sponsors on a on a regular basis. The uh, <clears throat> reason that our portfolio metrics are so good and that our our uh, challenges on asset quality have been um, relatively benign and limited to a handful of transactions is because of the fact that we've got great sponsors. We focus on great projects that are uh, new construction, you know, so they're state-of-the-art projects that have a, a quality advantage versus older Older product in the market that's not as, as well designed or well located or well built. Uh, and the fact that we structure these transactions very carefully, and more than ever, the fact that we're in these transactions at, at around 52 53% of cost and 42 to 43% of appraised value. That, uh, uh, that extreme. Low leverage of our portfolio make sure that uh, people who are inferior to us in the capital stack have a tremendous amount of money at risk in front of us uh, to protect our position and to give them the incentive to protect their position so uh, the way we built this portfolio is really uh, Um, probably about the best constructed you could get for this kind of environment where it's very, very challenging on the equity guys. Got it. That's a very helpful color. Uh,
9: And then my my, my next question would be in regards to competitive dynamics, in regards to to, to lending, um, how has that trended lately? Are you still finding yourself maybe as the only lender competing for certain projects or are you seeing maybe more appetite from other lenders in the market
2: well there's competition out there but the uh, competition in the space is significantly uh, lower uh, than it was uh, two years ago or three years ago for sure Uh, the number of people out there to provide financing to commercial real estate is you know all the visitors the people who are in it when it's easy and fashionable and run from it when it's more challenging and requires more sophistication and expertise, all those guys are gone. Uh, So the people that are out there lending today pretty much understand commercial real estate and are committed to it as an asset class, and I would tell you I think we're the leader among that group of folks, and that's why we're generating good volumes, even in an environment where the pie is, massively smaller than it was as as uh, Brandon alluded to in his earlier remarks so um, we're going to do things that make sense we're not going to let a competitive offer from someone else drive us to do something that doesn't make sense Uh, you know that's always our mantra that's why we've been successful and in my 45 years as CEO we've never lost money in a single year because we just don't do things that don't make sense to us when we do them. Uh, We're pretty disciplined. So there is competition out there though. I I wouldn't say it's changed much in the last 90 or 180 days. Great, thanks for taking my questions. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Brian Martin of Jenny.
10: hey good morning good morning Brian say just uh, one question George on just on hiring um, I, I know you talked about you know some opportunities as you kind of look into 24 here and just wonder if you can give any commentary on just uh, you know where you see the opportunities potentially high you know as far as hiring goes and if that kind of involves new business segments um, as you kind of talk about this handoff to you know, with RASG, are there things you're looking to do here or seeing opportunities to you know add new business lines or just you know add to existing business lines? Just kinda of curious how that hiring uh, uh position looks today.
2: Yeah, the the answer to that is yes, yes, and yes, I think. Uh, you know, we we are uh as I alluded to, I think it was a couple of quarters ago on this call, I think talent is is, is a uh, short in supply. Uh, commodity uh, in our economy and certainly in our industry and uh, we are trying and have been trying for years and really hit the accelerator on this the last year or so really trying to upgrade the quality of our talent so when we have a position become vacant uh, we're trying to fill that position with a person that was better than the person that left. We're trying to continuously upgrade talent. And obviously, uh, as we've alluded to in prior management comment documents, we're adding talent. I mean, obviously, we grew you know, twenty high 20% last year on loans, deposits, and everything else. You can't achieve that kind of growth without adding people. We expect to continue to grow. We expect to continue to add talent, and most importantly, we expect to continually upgrade talent as we're we're adding talent or replacing talent that is left. So uh, that will keep an upward pressure on our salary expense line because of the uh, uh, new applicable AICPA guidance, you know, some of our non-interest expense in 24 and going forward is moved to the tax line uh, on those tax credit sort of investments. So, you know, our our non-interest expense year over year will show a, uh, you know, a zero to 3% sort of growth rate, probably one, two, three percent. Low single digits, I think, is what we've got it. Uh, but uh, um, the salary and, benefits line of that is going to show some uh, continued good growth because we're adding talent to support our growth and we're constantly trying to improve the quality of our talent i think the excellent team that we have is one of our best if not our best competitive advantage i mean we've got a great business model that's unique in the industry and it generates higher returns and lower credit losses than the industry averages by far, year in year out. So we're we're very confident in our business model. But the key to the business model working is is our talent, and our our people are our competitive advantage. Gotcha.
10: Okay, I know that's helpful. Um, and then just it sounds like the the reserve build is you know that you've talked about in the last twelve months or even further going back. Um, you know the heavy lifting of that's done. Is that Kind of how to think about it given your, you know, your commentary on, on credit. I know you mentioned in the, in the management comments about charge us being maybe up a little bit, uh, in 24 versus 23. Just try and understand, you know, the, you know, the aggressive reserve build if, if a lot of that's in the rearview mirror based on kind of how you're looking about the world today.
2: Well, as I said earlier, you know that that is going to depend on the economy if the uh, the fed and world events and Washington events somehow crash the economy, then we could have more reserve bill. The whole industry could have a lot more reserve bill if the economy crashes in a in an ugly way <clears throat> but our our increasingly I think we're beginning to migrate to the camp that uh, uh the uh, prospects of some sort of soft or or relatively benign landing are are getting more likely time will tell we'll we'll know as the year goes on but um, if that is the case given the uh, fairly uh, uh, conservative selection of economic scenarios we've used to build our reserve and we can shift to a more uh, uh, benign set of assumptions in our reserve bill, and that would give us the room for provision expense to come down over the course of next year. Those events have got to play out and and again, I would caution, and Tim would want me to caution you that if if prospects for the economy get worse instead of better, you know there'll be more reserve bills needed, and obviously we're going to grow. Uh, we've talked about that quite a bit, so we're going to have to increase our, our dollar volume of ACL for our growth.
10: Gotcha, that's under, understood. Okay, and then just the last one for me was, you know, uh, on the margin. You know, it sounds as though you've got a little bit more weakness here with the, the funding cost still catching up the next couple quarters, and you've got loans, you know, on maybe under a bit of pressure early on as rates start to cut, and then. The floors kicking in and the deposits repricing. I guess, I mean, does it does the general outlook, you know, seem as though the the margin, you know, you know, kind of bottoms or stabilizes mid mid year, or maybe drifts a little bit lower in the second half, and then it's up in twenty five? Is how to kind of think about you know big picture without getting specifics on the actual level.
2: You know, our our uh, scenario, uh, Brian, is uh, that, that we're working toward and planning for is that we need to get our floors in our loans set and that uh, we could have enough magnitude of rate cuts in 25 that would really make those floors active and important and as those floors kick in and we get to uh, lock those rates at a good level in a falling rain environment our cost of deposits could drop faster in 25 than our loan rates because of the floors in those loans that would then give us uh, a favorable NIM experience like we had in 23 or in 22 in 2022 when uh, our loan yields adjusted really quickly and our deposit costs adjusted more slowly, we could have the reverse of that scenario in 25 if we can get these floor rates set effectively in enough of the portfolio and then see the Fed cut rates dramatically. And that's what we've been trying to position ourselves for is to get another nice spread in our NIM and core spread uh, in kind of the second. Inning or third inning of the uh, Fed cutting rates when they start cutting rates by getting those floors and then being able to get our deposit costs down even more. A um, lot of variables in that scenario but we've been working on that scenario for seven quarters now from the time the Fed started increasing rates we started planning for that flip side of, of that scenario going the other direction.
10: Perfect. Okay. I appreciate you taking the question, George. Thanks.
2: Thank you.
0: Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Michael Rose of Raymond James.
9: Good morning, Mark. Hey. hey, good morning. Um, thanks for taking my question. Just two follow-up ones. Uh, just just on the expense outlook, um, what are the, the puts and takes of that? It was a little bit lower than... think I was anticipating and obviously good to see Um, just just wanted to see you know what investments are are made and and where you know you guys are you know having some offsets to uh, uh, to to growing costs thanks
1: yeah hey Michael I I would point you to page 33 of management comments we we uh, tried to do our best in outlining what the offsets would be there as George alluded to just just a uh, while ago we do expect salary expense to continue to increase um, as we're hiring uh, additional staff to continue to support our growth. Um, Probably the biggest offset to that is the recategorization of that amortization expense on our uh, low-income housing tax credits and our renewable energy tax credits. We are adopting a new accounting standard effective January 1 of 24 that really transfers what was $28 million last year uh, into the tax expense line. Um, so that's kind of a, an offset, and of course, uh, you know, FDIC a Special Assessment, not expecting one of those in 24. and, and uh, we eliminated the amortization of our intangibles because it, they became fully amortized in 2023. So those are the offsets to the otherwise increasing uh, growth in, in other categories. Uh, Primarily
9: in our, our salary and benefits. Yeah, I, I just meant excluding some of those changes. I appreciate uh, you guys explaining all that. It was just even excluding that, it was still a little bit better than uh, I think I was uh, expecting, even if I normalized for the accounting change. But I appreciate it. Um, the, the last question I had was just on the uh, on the new mortgage initiative, and you know maybe uh, I, I know it's starting from from zero this quarter, but you know what we what you guys expect you know for that initiative as we think about the next couple of years, you know, uh, and hopefully some lower rates that would, uh, help disperse some demand on, on the mortgage front. So just would love any uh, thoughts there. Thanks.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, we're going to take, continue to take a, uh, a, a very intentional, uh, approach to that. Um, and, um, we do expect to start originating probably in, uh, um, uh, taking applications maybe in late February or March, hope to close a handful of loans in March. Uh, we will get it going in one market uh, probably a month or two later, um, get it going in a second market. Of course, we serve a lot of different markets with our branch footprint. So we'll roll it out and it will it will continue to roll out and expand throughout uh, Q2, of 2024 through year end 2025, uh, I think we pretty much get most of the footprint we're going to cover covered by 2025. Um, it will be a uh, modest drag on uh, net income and EPS probably in 2024 because we'll be we'll get one unit up and running and originating and you know, a month or two or three later, they'll start having some revenue but we'll have added another unit. So the expenses will pretty much stay ahead of the revenue during the uh, early part of that build-out phase. You know, we're talking uh, probably an immaterial impact for the year of a penny or two at the most. Uh, uh, And then... um, uh, you know, we would hope in 2025 that that begins to uh, turn positive, where we actually have positive net income, and maybe it's a neutral EPS net income impact for the full year of 2025 as we get the the full build out of this thing done. So, uh, where it probably becomes important to income, net income, and EPS is 2026 after we've got it. Uh, pretty much fully matured and fully rolled out. That's right. why I got Appreciate the next of the last uh, paragraph in the management comments. It's <laughs> it's not going to be a big deal for a while, but it is oh, important oh. to our customers, and that's the reason we're doing it. We continue to have a lot of customer uh, request, and and uh, you know sending that business a different direction is is not good for our long-term customer experience. So this is a customer-driven initiative. Totally get it. Thanks for
9: uh, taking my questions. All right. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Brody Preston of UBS. Hey, good morning, everyone. I just wanted to ask real quick, I just
11: want to ask real quick, George, on CET1. You know, if you're not buying back stock, say you don't buy back stock this year. Just given the, you know, the the unfunded commitment trends and the fact that growth is still going to be strong, but probably slower than it was this past year. Do you actually think you could see CET1 reverse course and start to rebuild again? Just given the profitability levels, Sam.
1: Yeah, hey Brody. Um, yeah, it'll depend on growth. Um, certainly, feel like we can maintain or or slightly improve it from here. Um, and then, uh, you know, really growth in 2025 um, will be dependent on on where it goes after this year.
11: Got it. And then I, I wanted to just to circle back to the floors. Um, you know, if I kind of take the spread commentary from last quarter, George, and kind of work my way backwards a little bit to maybe a slightly less widespread or, or something like that, depending on the competitive environment, going back several quarters, I you know, I look at your fourth quarter, 21 to fourth quarter, 22 originations. Those were the, the, the biggest kind of origination quarters for you, that five-quarter time span. Um, but, you know, Fed funds, you know, LIBOR was – decently low for a bit of that and so I kind of like back into you know floor rates that are in anywhere from the low threes to the mid fives for most of that and you know maybe the fourth quarters in the seven percentage kind of range is, is that an accurate description and if, if so would that mean that you know if the forward curve comes to pass here um, in 24 the floors wouldn't necessarily matter as much for 2024 is, is that accurate?
2: Well, I think the floors will matter uh, for 2024 and 2025. And but you are correct that you know you've got to look at the vintage of origination of the loans to determine the floor. And obviously, the floors that we got in four Q of uh, 2022 were much higher floors than we got in one Q of 2022 before the Fed started increasing uh, interest rates. We've we've never been able to negotiate floor rates that were higher than the contractual start rate of the loan. So, uh, and and as I said earlier in the in the first part of 2022 and most of 2022, we were getting floors at the start rate on the the vast majority of loans. But it was at the start rate, not 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 a, uh, a higher rate. So. You're correct, and uh, again, honoring the request earlier, we'll uh, probably put in uh, our next quarterly management comments a, uh, a chart that shows, uh, you know, where the what the floor rates look like on those on the portfolio at that point in time. I don't have that information with me today, but uh, we'll, we'll work to provide that in a future disclosure
11: got it um maybe if i could just extend this into 2020, 2025 specifically though george if if i'm if i'm kind of correct in my thought process is, is there a point if the forward curve does come to pass where as the stuff that you originated in 2023 starts to fund up you know, the loan yield could actually reverse course and start to inflect just by the nature of the 2023 commitments starting to fund up because those floor rates are more in the you know eight to nine ish kind of range. Um, he,
2: you know, uh, again, 2025 is hard to predict and and where the Fed's going to be in 2025 and what they're going to do and twenty twenty five is very hard to predict. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you develop and go with your own <laughs> okay. thesis on that based on the information we provided because I'm not comfortable uh trying to give you that number. Understood. Um
11: do you mind kind of letting
2: uh you know giving me some
11: insight for the for the non res G loans, you know, ABL, um, you know, uh the R V all that kind of stuff what what's the origination yields uh on those loans currently
2: oh gosh um i um, you know in the a b l world it's uh very dependent and uh, the um, uh, most of the a b l loans have a a, a um, spread matrix uh, that is dependent upon the you know total leverage or, or uh, availability utilization of the uh, of the line. so um, uh, though it's hard to comment on those because they're so deal specific and there may be four tranches of spread, uh, three or four tranches of spread in those loans typically that is uh, you know dependent upon their their total leverage position and uh, utilization of available borrowing uh, numbers. So those are hard to comment on. The uh, um, indirect stuff is is uh, again dependent upon credit score of the borrower and so forth. Those are all fixed-rate loans in the indirect lending world so you know we're um, probably around eight plus or minus I would guess on that. I actually am not I'm guessing on that. I don't I don't know. Jay, do you know? but that that feels directionally correct, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um uh, you know it and those are fixed rate loans. So you know every uh every month we're rolling off millions of dollars of uh lower rate loans and, and uh Rolling on millions of dollars of uh, newly originated at current market rate loans in that portfolio, so that that's helping uh, incrementally improve our margin. And the same phenomenon is going on in our securities portfolio, which is pretty much all fixed rate. You know, we expect to roll off about a billion dollars of that portfolio in 2024, and either will not replace it or if we do replace it, we would suspect it's going to be substantially higher yield than what's rolling off. So those fixed rate components of our of our earning assets, whether it's securities or indirect or other fixed rate loans that are rolling off will will help us uh reprice uh some elements of the loan book and, and securities book at a more favorable pricing
6: got it i just
11: got a one last one on the margin and then a couple more on credit um so i guess if i tick and tied all the commentary that you just gave george and then the commentary earlier on deposit rates you know i understand that you're, you're baking three cuts in to your nii outlook but you know say we did get you know six cuts five or six cuts like the forward curve how, how would that change what you think the trajectory of the nii is for 2024
2: well, if we bake in five or six cuts in 24, uh, that, yes, that's sir. certainly a more challenging uh, scenario for us because uh, we don't have our floors and our loans set as broadly in the portfolio as we would like to have set for a uh, uh, um, declining rate environment. Um, uh, so that that would be a more challenging them scenario for uh, 24 okay
11: um and then i just had two last ones on credit the the current oreo loan that you uh called out in the release as as planning on you know the plan is to close the the sale of that uh, by the 31st um of march and i think you said you don't expect uh to take a loss Are, are you all planning on financing the the sale of that property um to the to the eventual buyer
2: uh, Brandon, you want to comment on that?
4: Sure, sure. Um, yeah, you 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 read our comments correctly. We we do not expect for that sale to result in a loss. Um, and you know, in terms of the transaction that's going forward, I think we guys we told you guys in the past that that we are under a. Um, a confidentiality agreement around the transaction so we we've, we've tried to share with you everything we can without without uh being in breach of that transaction so um uh, beyond that I don't George if there's anything else you feel safe to share but um it it is under a confidentiality agreement everything's moving forward in terms of the sponsors due diligence um um they you know there 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 are the normal closing conditions and uh, due diligence that that would be uh, attached to a transaction like that but it uh, the sponsor continues to move forward uh in all their due diligence there so as we got it a quarter ago we still expect the sale to happen inside of um March 31st this this year
11: got it okay and then my last one was just on that chicago land loan um with the reserve that they have that they're paying interest out of I, I think you said george maybe it's a handful of months or or less that they you know could, would have to to pay for the interest with that reserve um you know at the end of that if there was a a moment where they decided you know maybe this doesn't make sense anymore would, would that loan kind of go the same way as this other La land loan one, where you guys would take it into Oreo, and then you know try to look for you know a similar kind of sale process.
2: Um, it, you know, again presuming your your uh, supposition there is that the sponsor gives up on it and and uh, says they're done, then yes, uh, that would I would assume would be a, a fairly similar scenario. Got it, okay, great.
11: Thank you very much for taking my questions, everyone.
2: I appreciate it. All right, thank you.
0: Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Tamur Brazler of Wells Fargo.
3: Hi, good morning. Thanks for the question. Um, of the twenty billion and remaining commitments from the twenty twenty two and twenty twenty one vintages in r e s g what portion of that twenty billion has yet to fund up
2: mm-hmm. uh, if you look at the um if you look at the um cadence chart uh, here, here and tim. Uh, page 11 page
4: 11 yeah
2: yeah so there is uh the 21 there's uh um um 6.21 billion and the 22 there's 13.74 billion uh that is uh no that's I'm sorry you have to subtract Jay answer this. Or yeah. Brandon answer this. Well yeah, that,
4: that gr that graph is focused on what remains that hasn't been repaid out of those vintages, George. Jay, I don't think we've disclosed uh the unfunded by year of origination. Um so I I don't I don't believe we
2: have that number. No, that that's okay. Correct. Yeah. My apologies. Okay took you to the wrong chart.
3: No, okay. But just using the prior, you know, prior comments of kind of twelve to eighteen months for these loans to fund up, it it sounds like much of the twenty twenty two originations are going to be funding up here in twenty four. Is that fair assessment? Yes. Very fair. Okay, and then um, maybe looking at the deposit side, so a little continued mix shift out of non-interest bearing into time deposits. I'm assuming the the fundings, the strong fundings here expected in 24, are going to be leaning on time deposits again. Just with 52% of the deposit base now being time, are there internal concentration limits for time deposits that you guys are monitoring, um, and where could we see that concentration maybe trend up to?
2: We have a variety of concentration limits on, on deposits, but it, there's not a limit on time, non-time. So, if that number, you know, continues to uh, rise, that's not a that's not a problem. Obviously, we're working hard every day to uh, originate as much business as we can in the, uh, uh, you know, checking account, savings account, money market account areas obviously with rates higher and, and CD rates being high across the uh, much of the industry um, and, and other alternative investment rates being high. Uh, a lot of customers have, have uh, drained their excess liquidity out of their money market savings and checking accounts and put it to work at, at higher yields. The entire industry has seen that phenomenon. So we are we're continuing to add large numbers of uh, new account holders every month, and uh, we'll continue to work hard on that effort. So we feel we feel good about that. But as we continue to uh, have uh, really uh, good growth in the balance sheet, we will be uh, uh, somewhat more dependent upon time deposits as a percent of the total. Understood.
3: And then just two quick ones on credit the three reappraisals that had the 25 point plus move in ltv's can you provide the geography for those
2: three loans Brandon do you have that
4: yeah i actually do so a couple of those were in the northwest in the seattle uh cbsa and uh another was uh in the uh, minneapolis
3: um geography, okay, and then I guess just lastly, if we look at the allowance for funded loans versus the allowance for unfunded loans, that gap seemed to have widened throughout the course of the year with funded allowance up twenty seven basis points while unfunded up only five basis points. I guess, can you maybe talk through the dynamic? as to why higher allowance on the funded balance isn't translating directly to higher allowance for the unfunded component?
1: Yeah, Tamura, it's just really about the mix. Um, you know, our unfunded balance is um, a higher mix towards RESG, um, the funded balance has a higher mix to others. Um, and obviously, um, it just depends on the The models that it uh, that it's being run through so I mean it um, there's a lot of factors that go into it but certainly the mix of the makeup of those um, in the unfunded is is a component of it and obviously everything in the unfunded is a is a pass rated um, uh, credit as well so you obviously have some other ratings uh, typically in the in the funded balance Great. Thank you for that, caller.
0: Thank you. I would now like to turn the conference back to George Gleason for closing remarks. Sir? All right.
2: Thank you, guys. We appreciate you joining the call today and appreciate all the questions. Have a great quarter, and we'll see you in about 91 days. Thanks so much. Have a great one. That concludes our call. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for participating. You may now
0: disconnect.